So I'm sitting here with Deontay Washington. Dion. Yeah. I don't know why I said. Oh, it's because there's a T. And you're. Oh, no. That's my middle name. Oh, I don't know why I'm sitting here with my whole life. I've been calling you Deontay, and you never corrected me. So we're with Dion Washington, uh-huh. and uh, we met. It was like five months ago. Yeah. It was like five months ago at Hillsong. Yeah. Uh, what were we do? What were we doing? Was it just like a service, or was it? I can't even no, remember. No, it was the opening before the before y'all opened up. Y'all had Andy Minio come out. That's right. Yes. Yeah, and I met you. Yeah, that that's and right. You see me like bring all my uh, kids with me. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yes. Now I remember. Okay, man, that's crazy. It's been so long. Like so much has happened yeah, in such a right. short time. But uh, so so. Uh, like I explained again, we do this conversation on my podcast called Conversations, where I just bring people in from diverse backgrounds, diverse religions. I've had an atheist. We've had wow. we've had um, my favorite one was I had this uh, this transgender lady who's this like who's LGBT like transgender educator is what she calls herself um and so she just works to like inform people about like the lgbtq community and all this stuff and it was just like the most incredible conversation and so my whole point is i literally like even when i find guests i'm like hey would love for you to be a guest on my podcast and they're like, oh, awesome. Like, let me tell you about myself. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not how it works. I was like, I don't want to know anything about okay. you. I want to be able, we sit down. It's like the first time we're talking because the original heart behind the the, the segment is um, in my book, I write, uh, people want to know that you care before they want to know what you care about. And so the whole point of the conversation segment is to embody that what does it look like to show people that you care before you tell them what you care about what does it look like to do that and so one of the ways that we do that is through conversations and getting to know people and all this stuff um and so so yeah so so i'm excited just to bring you on because i mean you're a believer you know it's it's fun and so but i think it's a cool way just to highlight you and to highlight your unique experience growing up and what you've um, I don't even know a ton about your story, so it gives me an opportunity to just not only for me to discover you, but an opportunity for other people to hear your story and learn from your experiences as well. So that being said, man, like brag on yourself, like tell us about you, what you do, just like you. <laughs> well, hi. other than being like tall, dark, and good looking. Yeah, you know? thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so I'm Dion, um, known other known as the Light and the Laughter. Um, I'm a stand-up comedian, father, husband to a beautiful wife, uh, father of two. Um, I'm from originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, just, I'm a pretty cool guy if you get to know me. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually so fun fact, listeners. We're actually sitting outside here in Atlanta, Georgia. We are sitting outside this really cool little spot it's called joystick and it's like this beercade like it's a bar but it's got video games and it's got a like an epic 90s vibe and so if you're ever in atlanta 10 out of 10 would recommend because this place is awesome but uh the just the probably just something that would only happen to me mm-hmm. like this guy comes in walks in looks <laughs> just like you 
Except you had like red, like I thought you like grew out some dreads and like dyed them red or something. Nope. That was it. But other than that, like facial features, like the mustache, everything. And I straight up, I was like, yo, Deontay, what's up? And he was like, he, he was like, oh, and he looked like he was normal. He was like, oh, hey. And I walked up. I gave this guy a hug and everything. And then he was like, I'm so glad you're here. And then he was like, yeah, I'm glad to be here. And I sat back down and him and his friends, they just like, walked off and walked away and i was like all right i guess we're not doing the podcast and then you messaged me and you were like hey i'm 10 minutes away i go well that makes sense <laughs> oh so guy- that's why I, like, <laughs> I was like uh i'm like 10 minutes away because bro traffic in atlanta is just like ridiculous so i was trying to like hurry up and make it here yeah and then uh you text me he was like yeah i just hugged a random dude i'm like <laughs> wait what? i don't know why i was he just you he looked in and just looked straight at me and i was just like I guess that's him. He looks a little different, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> anyways, it was it was fun. I'm sure he'll remember it for as long as the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, dude, so you've been doing stand-up comedy for two years. And what made you want to get into that? Was it? Um, so I've always been funny through high school. Uh, I was a theater kid. So um, like, what ended up happening was my best friend does stand-up comedy. Yeah. So... I honestly didn't want to do it because of him because I didn't like want to step on his toes. Yeah. But then after that, um, I talked to him and he was like, bruh, try it out. You're like one of the funniest dudes I know. <laughs> so I was like, just get on stage one day. So one day I end up making a show for him to headline, mm. um, like in the city that we're from. Yeah. And then I got on stage and then I got like addicted to like just hearing that like loud roar of laughter. Oh yeah. So after you, after that happened, I was just like, uh, this is my calling. I'm doing it. Yeah. So yeah. That's so cool, man. I love that. So, um, what kind of, uh, have there's has there been any like comics who've like inspired you over the years like has made you like more excited to do it or um so originally when i was doing comedy i was doing like unclean comedy so yeah. like dirty raw comedy and um yeah i had everybody to be inspiring me uh, at that time yeah. I, like <laughs> everybody I had like, dave Chappelle, kevin hart just yeah anybody that like you can mainly name like uh big j ogerson just all the main comics but then what end up happening is I end up uh, transfer, uh, trans- transferring over to like clean comedy. And then as soon as that happened, none, none whatsoever. I had to like try to navigate. I think I found like this one dude named Michael Jr. Mm. And he does stand up and like, like clean stand up. But that was about it. Like, yeah. So, nah. Man. Uh, now, no. So... Tell me more about like that transition going from. It is seven thirty-three. Um, so tell me about more of that transition from going to just unclean comedy to clean comedy. Like, what made you want to do that shift? Uh, so I end up getting saved. Ended up going to uh, this church called Kingdom Empowerment Center. And what ended up happening is um, when I got the call to be a minister, Mm. I was still doing dirty comedy. Yeah. So, but my pastor has these uh, prophetic dreams. Like I'm talking about like, I live in a church like where spiritual gifts are like alive. Mm -hmm. So she had these prophetic dreams. And one day she just walks up to me and she was like, I think we're going to have a kingdom comedian. And I'm saying, what in the world is that? So I ended up talking to her more about it. And then she ended up putting me in the B12 program. And during, during that the, time. What's the B12 program? 
Um, so the Be Told program is like this uh, minister program for like the youth. Um, at first we thought it was, at first the program was like supposed to be like, you know, uh, the 12, like the 12 disciples mm, and like, yeah. to, but it's like young people. But it ended up finding out that like the B12 is like a vitamin, like an energy, like a, a, mm. a vitamin that gives you energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give the type of energy to the world. So we're just supposed to be bringing, uh, giving energy to the world of like the light of Jesus. So yeah, that's how I ended up joining this program. And in that program, I ended up changing drastically, like in a short amount of time. And then from there, I was just like, well, if I got this gift, I might as well do it for jesus so i can't be coming out there cussing going hand yeah and talking just slinging just doing whatever i want yeah. to do <laughs> so so how long have you been married uh i've been married for seven years i got married when i was 19 oh wow yeah okay so now so now it makes it more interesting so tell me now more about that like that process between because you got saved how long ago like where i'm from like definitely just like from like just most christians uh like not most christians but like a lot of christians you get saved a lot of times like yeah. rededicate to like rededicate yeah so um that was my first time getting saved but this to me i feel like is the most influential time i got saved because this is the time i like to me i feel like i actually mean it and like actually walking and fully being yeah. obedient to the uh obedient to the lord um but the first time um, I got saved was when I met my wife's family because my wife is a preacher kid. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, ended up meeting her family and for me to date her and for us to have a long lasting relationship, I had to get saved. <laughs> so yeah. that's how I got saved the first time. Man, missionary dating. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that's really what it was. So, so tell me. So now. So y'all were. So y'all were dating. And then, were you already married when you decided to go into comedy? Yes, I was already married when I decided. Okay, to go so now tell me what was like, what was her response when like your comedy? You started out doing like you know, unclean comedy, and and all that stuff. How did she? How did she respond to that? Uh, she responded to it a lot better, and this is like to be honest, this is uh, the one that she respects a lot more. Yeah. Just because of that's her upbringing. Like yeah. she grew up in the church. Unlike me, I didn't. Yeah. So like when I fell off my walk, she fell off her walk. So when we both like, it was like we both got into the walk together and then she was like, finally, this is like more of the man that I knew I was going to end up marrying other than uh, what I was doing. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so what is it that your wife does? Uh, she's a graphic designer. Wow. Yeah, she just helps me with everything. Like when yeah. I tell you like she's like a missing puzzle piece. Like I'm, uh, she's like a missing puzzle piece. Like I always call her because like whatever I don't do, she does, and it just fits in there perfectly. Wow. Just, so, yeah, that's yeah. the cool thing about being married to her. <laughs> I'm a temper tantrum over there. <laughs> I guess this is what happens when we do a podcast outside. That's right. <laughs> you gonna catch it? Oh, you catch you catch everything. It's crazy. Uh, my favorite place to actually do podcasts is over at uh, Muchacho Coffee. You ever been over there? No. I'll take you sometime. It's super cool. It's off a of memorial. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's like this like it looks like a Spanish villa, oh. and it's so slick. Oh no, but I love uh, Mike. And they sell street tacos Espanoles. too. Yeah. 
They sell street tacos as well. Oh no, street tacos are like the best thing ever, like alive. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know, like if you go get a find a good street taco place, like you're the happiest. Like, oh yeah. I, that's when I start dancing and just start. Oh doing. yeah. So what is it? Do you have like a niche that when you're doing your comedy, you kind of have like a, a something that's like, you know, like Tim Hawkins for example is a is a well known comedian, and his right. whole thing is he goes off of like talking about his family. And that he always, that's as kind of like his normal go-to is he's talking about his family. Or the same with a lot of comedians, but you have like Jim Gaffigan. He usually talks about his family and some experiences. Do you have like a niche or a thing that you, that you kind of like pick off the most? Uh, I pick at my family and my kids. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so like the thing about uh, comedy is like it's really hard not to steal jokes if like mm. because everybody's talked about the yeah. same thing so the only way like for me to be authentic and like for me i had to talk about like my real personal life experiences with like my family my kids yeah the crazy thing my wife does the crazy thing that my daughter does like yeah certain experiences like when i take like one of my most notable jokes is like me taking my daughter to a daddy daughter dance like mm. the first one and then it just takes three downturns there, and that just gets the crowd usually going. So, yeah, so that's yeah, cool. it's mainly family. So, so tell me about like what's the process that even goes into like writing a joke? Like, what's your process? How does that even work? Um, so my process is different because I'm not gonna lie. Uh, a lot of times I'll ask like my friends just like for certain topics. Like, so we'll we'll have certain topics that we talk about. Yeah. And then I'll make a joke off of it. Um, sometimes I'm, I watch stand-up comedy 24-7. Yeah. So I'll go off that. And I like I go off based off topics or personal experiences. So, like, let's say my daughter does something just, like, wild, drastic that, like, I know, like, nobody has. Like, parents, like, other parents will understand how I'm feeling. But I put my, like, own little twist to it. So it's just, like, me honestly sitting there thinking about how I can make this funny. Yeah. Like, find a punchline. Like, what I usually do is I'll come up with a punchline, and then I'll work the joke out hmm. until I get to the punchline. And then it, it yeah. ends up working like that, and it ends up going good. That's awesome. I, it's just because I, I love comedians. Like, a lot of my friends are comedians, and it's always interesting hearing, like, the different process. Like, some people are more storytellers. Some I'm people, yeah, some people are more, like, drive a punchline, and they kind of like, like a quip. Like, or, uh, 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 what's not a quip? What's the, they have a quirk. Mm-hmm. And that's how they run their quirk, like uh, like uh, like Gabriel Iglesias. I love him. That's so like one of my favorite his, comedians. Like one of his quirks is he always uses his voices and he does his little voices. So everything he does always builds off of that. So it's really cool hearing how like different people go with a different process and stuff like that. Um, and you're playing down here. What is the place called again? Escobar. Uh, Escobar. Escobar Seafood Place. Escobar Seafood. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's Two Chains Club. So. Two Chains, yeah. yeah. He'll show up. He'll laugh. Uh, hopefully. He'll laugh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hoping that's, how that's it goes. awesome. So, so tell me a little bit more about how long did you live in Memphis? Um, I lived in Memphis until like I was in middle school. Yeah, and but in high, I was in still going back and forth from middle school and high school from Memphis to uh, a Griff, this small city called Griffin, Georgia. Yeah, so so you lived there. So you so when did you like officially like move to Atlanta and you were like, this is my home. I'm moving here. Uh, high school. Um, so. I live like like out on the outskirts of Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's in a small city called Griffin, Georgia, which is where my mom is uh, from. Yeah. So when uh, she retired from the military, around about like when I was in mm. middle school and high school, I was just transferring back and forth. So in high school, like my freshman year, yeah, I started living down here. That's cool, man. 
So tell me a bit, like, what do you like to do for fun? What is, like, some things you like when you're not doing comedy and you're not writing or anything like that? You're not writing jokes. What is it that you like to do for fun? Um, I'm always in church. <laughs> 24-7. Like, bro, I feel like I live in that place. Yeah, I but get that. But if not, uh, favorite thing is boxing. I love yeah. boxing. Uh my whole family. I, I wish you lived around here. Then I could have you suggest like a good gym for me. But oh no, bro, trust me. I know a few good gyms out here. So okay, I can definitely uh, suggest that. But I just always uh, been a fighter since I was like super young. Like in middle school, I did MMA for like a few years. Yeah. So just combat sports is what That's I'm cool. mainly into. That's nice. And I do boxing coach. I'm a boxing yeah, coach now. Yeah. What time you got now, brother? It's uh, seven forty-three. Yeah. Um. So you got quarter till. Okay. Yeah. I gotta be at that trailer right there at eight o'clock sharp. Uh, you probably can't see it from here. Uh, I see it. You got it. Yeah, they uh, they uh, the people inside the place they already paid for the. I'll let you know. The, the I'll let you know. Machine, so you can't you can't buy any food if you just a passerby. Yeah. You don't look out for me. I'll let you know five till. All right. Um. That's awesome, man. You watch any TV shows, any movies? Uh, so I'm not a big movie person. I wish I was. Mm. Uh, I wish I was. I like TV shows, but like I'm a YouTube person. Like I like yeah. having full blown control of what I can watch. Yeah. Do you have any favorite YouTubers? Um. No, because I like I'm one of the people that like just be on YouTube and just like randomly end up on a cat video. Like I'm just <laughs> like I'm just scrolling through whatever you YouTube scroll has. on YouTube like we scrolled through YouTube in 2004. Like it was Seriously. just like like whoever pops up. Like yeah. I like this dude named Mr. Beast. He's funny. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Like he just spends a ridiculous amount of money to get his friends to do like all these crazy type of experiments and traps and tricks. He's funny. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, man. Oh, I just funny. look at everything, but mainly I just look at comedy. Yeah, like it's like a it's like a safe haven where I can just like literally go check out like have all you the seen, new specials. Uh, have you seen? Uh, have you looked into Dry Bar Comedy? Yes, I love. I want to go. That's like a like to be honest. That's a dream place. I actually want to do. I actually want to yeah. do Dry Bar Comedy. Well, you should like submit some of your stuff or whatever because they like their whole thing is they book like amateur comics, like people who aren't major, mm -hmm. like in the big big leagues or whatever people who haven't booked out like a a full-time special so and they, i looked all, at them yeah. i actually looked out but i still haven't seen like how to submit to them but what ended up happening is i think a, a friend of mine uh joel byers he's supposed to he's actually doing he think he did i think he already did his special up there and they're just waiting for it to crawl. so when that drops yeah i, I think what him. they need because i don't know how much how much uh do you have a youtube channel for your stuff not yes, but I haven't uploaded anything just okay. yet. Yeah, it's like getting hiring, hiring like a videographer, someone who can like record a special or at least record a bunch of snippets of a spe of your like comedy stuff, mm -hmm. and then you submit that to them, and then that that, that extra hooks mm -hmm. them to to book you. So the special I'm shooting, it comes out. Uh, well, I'm shooting it in November, and hopefully I can drop oh, it in when? December. In November, uh, I want to say like right about like mid November. Okay. Um, we just booked the space. Sweet. So now I'm just trying I'll to, to let me know so I can come out. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll like it too. Oh yeah. yeah, it'll be good. Uh, dude, that's awesome, man. So, so you watch, so you don't really, you watch YouTube, you box, playing video games. No, but I, like yes and no, but I like play other people's video games. Yeah. Like, like, but then I feel like I'm like the basic black dude. I just play 2K. Like, <laughs> like, like I don't play anything. Like I can play Call of Duty pretty well, but like if like a person who really play Call of yeah. Duty plays against me, he's gonna be extremely upset. That's funny. So like it's just, but I will 
I will murder anybody in 2K if you want this work. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Um, so so what is so fill in the blank? Uh, or what is what is something? What is something that people wouldn't know about you unless they really knew you? Oh wow, that is a question. Uh, what is something that some knew about me that they wouldn't know? Um, then I'm a crybaby. You're a crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> you watch a sappy movie, you done? No, yes, but that's why I don't watch movies because I get oh. too emotional. Like me, oh, like man. my wife is a gangster, and then it's just me <laughs> over there. Watching a notebook, she's just like, she's like she looks at you, she's like, "What's?" <laughs> Seriously, no. She be like, "It's not even that sad." Like I promise you, like I cried to like the Rugrats movie. Like, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like uh, no, bro. That, that I thought you were about to say Land Before Time. I was like, "Well, you can cry at that." But no, the Rugrats, bro. It had me tearing up like hard, like because it was like I don't know what it was when he was like, "You want these nanners?" Like he had the best, <laughs> and they hugged and they shared a blanket together, bro. I was on the on the floor balling oh that's hilarious <laughs> oh that's so funny man so here's another fun question i like to ask people um i swear if i wasn't doing what i'm doing i could probably be a stand-up comedian just because, i believe it just because the way that i work with people i don't do i don't do like a uh like a uh a routine i don't have a routine of jokes but mm -hmm. i do have a routine when i meet anybody and i have like these subset of questions that I just wrote, that I do a routine through. Mm. Um, I don't know why, it just says, it says how I roll. Crowd but, work. Yeah. So uh, you be good at like really like crowd work, like uh, Andrew Schultz. Yeah. So, but anyway, so one of the questions I love to ask people is, you hear people, you hear someone talking two tables over, and you can't help but get involved. Like you have to throw in your two cents on whatever they're talking about. Right. What is it they're talking about? These questions, bro. Like, <laughs> what in the world? Okay, uh, so there's a table. You think uh, you he, you are overhearing someone talking about something, and you're like, I can't, I can't not say something. What are they talking about? Barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah, like, bro. Really? Like, no. Man, everyone's always said like climate change or like social justice, but you're like barbecue. No, because yeah. yeah, like, no, I don't know anything about like social injustices. Yeah. I, I'm not into climate change. Yeah. Like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Like, just pray. But to you're Lord like barbecue. I know that. Oh yeah, no, I'm from Memphis. <laughs> so like, if you talking about some ribs, like, what you talking about? Like, cause there's like you like, you like grill burgers. Yes. Okay, so my favorite. Try this sometime, okay, and tell me how you like it. It's my favorite. It's like my favorite. Now you know I'm scared. Recipe. Okay, now you know. Uh, you know you Caucasian, so we, I, I, hey, be scared. I, I ain't Caucasian. I'm Puerto Rican. Okay? Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I know I'm, be, I'm half Puerto Rican, so okay. my dad ruined that for me. But, okay, cool. So yeah. at least, all right, I know yeah. it got some flavor to I'm, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm half Puerto Rican, so. But and, and so anyway, so when I grill burgers, what I do is I um you go out, obviously go out to the grill, get fresh meat, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um. And then what I do is I take a thin layer of minced garlic and just a very light, take a little fork, just barely dip it in there, mm -hmm. like a uh, light layer over the burger. You throw that down and then you put uh, salt, pepper, onion powder, and, and paprika. You do mm -hmm. that both sides. Mm -hmm. And then you take the buns, put a little bit of oil on it, mm -hmm. toast the buns, you finish, and then whatever else you want to put on there. I, put, I also put like cilantro on it. And then that, then whatever else, like cheese or whatever. I've actually never had cilantro on a burger. It's good. 
Okay, I try I'm, try, I'm try it. Try it though. I, it's like my. It's a simple recipe, but like my friends always want my burgers, and you it, know it's what? just it's just good. It's on the October, uh, on the Halloween party, you oh. gotta make it. So I, I come and have it. Yeah. Okay. It's seven fifty. Yes, you got oh, ten till. Um, so uh, yeah, dude. What's your favorite thing to, to grill barbecue wise? Oh, uh, ribs. Like, Ooh. like I literally have a picture of a rib on my phone. <laughs> like it's just like a random rib like what's on my your, phone. What's, what about it is your favorite to make like is it like the sauce or is it like a what do you what is your favorite thing about so it? it has to be like the texture like how you let it like marinate like if it's a good marinated yeah. rib and then like the sauce yeah the sauce has to matter like i'm not eating a dry rib like i will eat a dry rib like i can't say like i don't i usually like most places if it's like wings or if it's like ribs I usually eat it plain first. Really? Be- because I'm like, this is the this is the base, and if you can't get the base right and it don't got some flavor to it, then why in the world would I try your Man, extras? nah, because I'm talking about if you go to a wing place down here, extra wet. Like you don't want you don't. Want, <laughs> I don't need. I don't even think I, at this point. I don't even think me, I taste like the I, actual chicken. Well, for I me, just it's like I take flavoring. it plain because it's like the litmus test of you actually know what you're doing. Mm. So the same way, that's why I get wings. I get meat. Whatever. I get it. I get plain. I get it dry without any sauce. Mm-hmm. And then I'll probably order it again mm-hmm. with sauce because like if you get it good when you cook it right, then with sauce, then then you get the good stuff in there. Cool. Yeah, I love cooking. Cooking's my favorite. See, look, man, I need to hang around you, bro. I Dude. just, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I learned how to cook like two years ago. Well, you come to, well, you come to the Halloween party, man. You're gonna get my guac, which is amazing. See, I don't eat guacamole. <sighs> well, there's that. I don't know if I'll make my fiesta corn dip this time, but it's to die See, for. See, bro, I'm telling you, I don't know <laughs> fiesta corn dip. I've never had, never Ooh, even heard you of. You need to try it, man. It'll change your life. See, oh my goodness. I'm not saying that it's spiritual but i will say that i'm pretty sure that's what god was talking about when he said taste and see that the lord is good so like, okay see look you've been ta- like bro now i'm really excited about your cooking it's fun i love cooking it's i love it it's just i just enjoy it. i enjoy just cooking for people how long like, have you been cooking like like how when did you learn how to cook like at uh, a young age i or? started like when i was back in college uh and before then it literally it's i've always i think i i've just always been an artsy kind of person Mm -hmm. so everything that i've done is always had to have my own unique taste on it Mm -hmm. so like even when i was in high school even to the point when i would make a grilled cheese like my friends (laughs) like my friend my cousin was lactose intolerant and he had my grilled cheese wow (laughs) i mean i'm lactose intolerant and i love cheese like you don't care it's just little things but once i got to college and i started obviously having to like really being like buying my own food and watching my money and stuff like that that's when i was like let me try like making my own burgers and i learned first time i grilled a burger i didn't grill a burger until i was like 23 like on a grill before then all my burgers i did on a frying pan Mm. yeah so like with me i think like I've like I literally just learned how to cook like recently. Uh, yeah. Mainly the thing me I was a maker like I can make myself like some cereal like nice. uh, like it's like a pop tart or something. Oh yeah. Uh, other than that like that was it until like I had to. Hey, don't underestimate the 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 intricacy that goes into a toaster strudel. No, right? I'm seriously <laughs> like bro. I'm talking about I can make a toaster strudel if you want me to, but I'm, oh yeah. I was always a maker, not a cooker until like recently. I recently have real and I've been into, been into it for a while, but I recently have really been getting into fish. Like, I've just mm. loved just, like, trying Favorite fish. fish. You know, um, 
favorite fish is a red snapper. Okay. It's a red. It's a very Puerto Rican dish, but well, because when I eat fish, I don't do it where it's like you skin. Like I straight up like, you catch it out of the river and then you well, throw you it on the frying it pan. See, he knows what he's talking about. He knows where it's at. What? Um, so for me, it's getting the red snapper, and usually when I catch, if I if I catch it, it's going from straight from there into the frying pan, like scales and all, eyeballs and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, but um, or you we just gut it, you get the guts out. But the uh, so it's usually a red snapper. I also like tilapia, um, tuna is an art. You tuna know. is an art because it's tuna good tasting tuna don't taste like what you think tuna tastes like most of us when we think tuna we think the tuna in a can right. and it's got that very distinct tuna taste which that happens if you if you cook it well done but if you cook it like you know medium rare kind of style oh, dude like you sear it and you do it it goes over a salad do you know i've never had a salad you've never you never had a salad. I've never ne- like you never just had lettuce. No, like no, that's the that's the whole purpose of me not doing it. I'm just like I just don't want lettuce. And then like and it was like it's so healthy, but everybody you just need I to know, have a real salad. That's the problem. Is most people's idea of a salad is just a Caesar salad where it's just like salad with cheese and that's it and ranch and it's gross. Yeah, you gotta like, have a real salad where you got like cranberries and nuts and you got like a good like a good vinaigrette with like a you know we, we add all sorts of goodness to it like i, I mean i think what would end up like ruining salads for add me some tuna on top of you it. know what like Ooh. i feel like see like a person who knows about salad like i'll get you to help me make a salad but like most people i know like who make salads like they be like it's so healthy and then everything i see they add on the salad is not healthy i'm just like yeah. you might as well just ate whatever you wanted other than yeah so it's just like that's now, the have reason you why. ever had like not not like you know the the cheap scent type but like real ramen not like the package yes ramen. no not like instant ramen but like real yes no ramen yes. oh my, oh my. Brett, mm. i went to like a ramen restaurant in like california i had a show out there and i did a uh, restaurant they had an actual real authentic ramen restaurant yeah i almost lost my mind i was like this it's, is not what i was eating. like it's a whole bowl <laughs> and it's like they got pork and they got a boil a hard-boiled egg and they got like mushrooms they got everything like it's whoo so what's the what are some like tangible goals that you got for this next year? Um, so next year I'm doing a lot of festivals. A lot of festivals? Yeah. So they have a lot of comedy competition and festivals. Okay. And that is like I'm finding out there's like this space and era of where you start meeting like the people like comedic industry comedians and you get to perform at the mainstream clubs like the clubs like I dream of like certain club like I know uh hopefully man that is a grind man comedy is such a it's grind. comedy and all per- I mean really all performing arts have a same kind of grind like musicians comedians actors writers they are all creatives most creatives have like photographers and, and videographers don't have much of that grind yeah. is like because comedians and musicians and speakers they're always they're always having to like go to like a comedy club or like a local bar to play or mm-hmm. you're always competing and this is that grind to finally get to that space where then somebody like an agent or somebody was like yo i'm picking you up and you're like let's go no you can tell you what what kind of comedians it usually be other known comedians pick you up really that's the crazy part like okay. another comedian would be like i need you on the road with me like you killed the crowd like that mm. type of thing so. yeah because they'll have you as like their opener or something mm-hmm. that's awesome mm-hmm. man dude who now if you could pick 
your dream lineup that you could open for anyone? Who would you open for? Dead or alive or alive? Dead or alive. Man. Uh, I mean, it, I feel like it's hard for me because I do clay comedy and everybody I'm about to name is dead. But that's okay. But like you, get, you get change the vibe. You change up the whole yeah, scene. Yeah, like, like I'll keep it clean. Like I'll, be, I'll want to be the first one to go up. So it just like partially gets dirtier as it, as it goes. Yeah. So, um, but um, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. D- Dave Chappelle. Well, Eddie Murphy's still alive. Yeah, but well, you don't do stand up as much yeah, anymore. But I like the last person. Like I would want Richard Pryor to go up. Like, Ooh. the last person. Like I would want Richard. Like oh my goodness. Yeah, he's good. The Richard Pryor was like originally. The reason why I like Richard Pryor was because like his like life story. Yeah. Was so similar to like my family's and just like how I grew up. So then like, and then he was so honest about everything he said, and that's like my like my my gift is transparency. Like yeah. I have like. I'm super transparent about everything about me. Like, if you want to know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Just yeah. whatever you want to know. So it was just like seeing him do exactly and say exactly whatever he felt, and then just do it like in this comedic way. You, did you ever Pryor. notice? I noticed this like a couple of years ago. That like all of the most well-known like comedians in like kids movies are like really dirty comics yeah. like it's almost like i had this like theory like it's almost as if they pulled them to like censor them like it's like they pulled them into these movies like you think like Rob- robin williams like robin stand-up williams comedy, was like bro he I, was another level he of inappropriate was to, he was like doing comedy with richard Pryor, but like yeah. richard would like go the other way and then he turned into like miss doubtfire I'm yeah like, how like, like eddie he, murphy Eddie Murphy's comedy is like they're just on a whole nother and then he, all of a sudden he goes Haunted Mansion. You know, it's like it's just interesting. I don't know how that works. Let me tell you what was so funny because I would I would I was like I wonder like like when I do get picked up, I wonder what it's gonna be like to be like they'd be like, Alright, we're trying to make you cl- I mean, I guess you can just come on. I guess it's gonna be easy, like an yeah. easy transition. Other than, like, just like you gotta stop saying this, yeah. stop doing this, and stop. But most comedians actually don't stop, to be honest. Yeah. Like, if they like get back on stage, like state, like the stage is like the place where like you get to be a raw self and uncensored. Like, if that moment, like the moment that you get on stage and you can't be yourself, like get off. Yeah. Like, uh, it's so interesting because. Like actually, like recently, I've I've never seen these people do a skit before. I just saw a Key and Peel skit for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. the other day. Gosh, that was that was another level. <laughs> so Key and Peel, like I'm not gonna lie, I've always so this is the one thing I've never done sketch comedy before. Yeah, which I want to get into it just because I'm starting to see there's like a market in that. Oh yeah, well it's a market because of short form content like for TikTok and yeah and stuff like oh that. My goodness, I'm just I just made a TikTok like two days. Like bro, I'm telling you, like last night I, p- I posted my first TikTok and like I got like a thousand views like in the first night like, when I woke up. Yeah, I woke up. I was like, wait, why? The key to TikTok. Um, as someone who's, you know, got no, <laughs> got like 37,000 on Jeez, there. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's fun. Um, so one of the things that is key is it's, it's such, it, that is the thing that requires a grind. It's literally posting like at least three times a week. Like, and it's like posting three times a week and it's using hashtags aren't as relevant but when you do use hashtags, I always get told people to use three hashtags 
you use like hashtag TikTok. Wow. Then really? you do yeah. Is you would think hashtag whatever your genre is. So like mm-hmm. hashtag comedy. Mm-hmm. And then you do like hashtag uh, a third one would be early on. It could either be like hashtag follow. Yeah, I mean, F-R-P- you get some bots F-R-P. with that, but those bots will. Well, yeah, those bots will help generate some followers as well. So it was like either hashtag follow or if it's just like a random hashtag for like a subject that you're that if it's a popular subject mm. or something that just has a lot of views like laugh or funny or whatever. Mm. Um, so that's what I always tell people. And you just do it three times a week, do three hashtags and and with your captions, make sure your captions generate engagement. So engagement being ask a question. Well, either ask a question because what you're wanting to do is one or two things. Your your ha- your your captions should either prompt people to comment or to share. So if you ask a question and you're getting a lot of comments, that helps generate more views. Or if you have some, a caption that like emphasizes something in the video. So for example, our pre-order launch team, I just sent them a video like a tutorial how to how to upload a reel mm-hmm. and what I want them to do. So I typed in like here's where you type your caption and they gotta type something super sappy. I don't know what you want to do, but like when you're <laughs> typing a caption, they say here's some examples of ways that your captions can can uh, create engagement. Either one example would be, wow, this quote because the 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 videos that they'll be uploading are these pre-made videos of me quoting from my book, and it's like this really creative video audio experience kind of thing where we we engage people in it. Um, and so you could do one caption with like, wow, that this quote made me think a lot. What do you think about this quote? Like, mm. so that gets people commenting. Or mm. it could just be something that says, hey, you need to buy this book today. And you put a lot of emphasis, like capital need or whatever, so that it generates urgency, which could generate shares. So, oh, okay. Yeah. See, so there's like a whole, oh, wow. It's a whole science. Yeah. To, to TikTok. Yeah. Let's see, that's, that's, to me, that's interesting because it's like, like doing stand-up like there's a science to it but like to me doing social media and internet is like so different yeah and like i grew up around it's like, constantly changing too yeah so. so like bro there's always like a new algorithm so like yep. if i youtube something it's like different it was like for the month of october i'm just like yeah i have no chance it's always <laughs> changing it's a moving target it's crazy um but how do you get into social media? I think that was, I think that's like my main problem. I like more, more so. It's I, just realizing, well, one, it's just, it starts with just taking it seriously. Like realizing that like, this is now the means by which you grow your business. You know, it is less word of mouth, way more, um, shared content. Like that's the, the sharing, sharing a video is now the new word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very much so. So, especially with 2020, like, so it's just realizing that, like, you got to treat it as your, like, getting active and on social media and having quality social media videos is as important as as getting a gig. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally right up there because if you have, like, for example, uh, Trey Kennedy is this guy on TikTok, YouTube videos, a Christian guy who makes all these funny videos. And his mm-hmm. biggest ones are when he, like, makes fun of, like, girl culture, especially, like, this time of year when fall runs around. And he has all these hilarious videos about these girls who was like, was like, oh, my gosh, just, like, looking at the leaves and they're so beautiful, realizing no one's falling for me. Whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like, and he's just this funny guy. He made all these funny videos. But now because of those funny videos, he now has a career as a stand-up comedian. 
Mm. So like, so he leveraged the videos, and then that generated you his know, business. The, the, to be honest, that's how like a lot of uh, comedians are like doing it. Like, but okay, so this is the this is the thing. So like, most stand-up comedians like hate people. Like like the actual stand-up com- uh, stand-up comic community actually hates people who gets like known from the internet because yeah. Then, and but, I'm sitting there like, here's the thing. how do you join like the join those two people here's together? The thing. At the end of the day, you gotta say forget the haters because facts. the people who make the money make the money. Like it's, that's the hard that's the hard part where it's just like you know what they can hate them all they want, but they ain't getting any any contracts. You know? no, that's true. That's true. You gotta play that. Sometimes there's that weird balance where you gotta figure out. What is it that, what is it that you hold to in your convictions, and where are the things you're willing to compromise on? Mm. Am I willing, like, for, I'll use me for example, like, you know, and with my ministry and my book. I can't wait for this book, bro. Thanks, man. I'm appreciate it. <laughs> um, with my book, like for example, with my ministry, I already know and am anticipating haters from really? cre- from the Christian community because I just know this for a fact. When you preach what Jesus actually wants for his followers, the majority of Christians will not like you. Because you think of Jesus and what he did and how he preached the truth of the gospel. He he preached the truth of God's scriptures. And that just completely was so countercultural to the world of that which he was living in to the point that it got him murdered. Like Martin Luther King Jr. was preaching absolute truth and was hated by everyone. All social justice people did not like Martin Luther because of his nonviolence methodology, the King King Kingian Kinglian nonviolence method. And everyone didn't like him for it. Because I mean, you gotta stand he had to stand by the conviction and he had to choose to realize that where I'm willing to compromise on it were and it's his scenario is how he's making connections, what he's doing or whatever. But in the same way for me, it's like I'm anticipating a lot of people to not like me. But where I choose to compromise is the fact that you have to be able to not just blow open the gates with all the things that you know are gonna mess with people. You gotta bridge. You gotta be able to you know, there's a there's a weird balance where you gotta earn influence. You have to earn the right to be heard. And mm-hmm. in order to do that you gotta be able to kinda baby step people into the things that they need to hear and then as you build that influence then when you really start calling people out not calling people out i don't believe in calling people out but when you call um toxic ideas that exist within christianity and toxic things that exist and you're calling that out you're just going to generate haters that's just how it is like when you live by the truth people will hate you um yeah the, the hard part is the balance with that is most people even hearing this right now thinking their idea of people hating you for the truth is also construed like a lot of people and they think well when you stand by the gospel people are just gonna hate you no you're just a jerk <laughs> like, yeah. like no like some people are jerks it's like yeah some christian people are like oh why are you like this yeah my biggest thing is is like you should always be working there's a weird balance where you're always trying to work to be good news to other people that's what i'm always communicating people hey be good news to other people that's the gospel is good news be good news and there is a level to which the world will reject you because you have the spirit of god and they do not and you we live in a world that's dominated by darkness and it's going to reject the light that's just the natural way it's supposed to happen but i said but before that happens you better make sure you're blameless be and the reality is in the christian church we are not blameless. Not at all. Christians, we are only the good guys to ourselves. 
We are the only people who see us as the good guys. The rest of the world sees us as the villains and for rightful reasons. No, so I got a question. What what do you think the rightful reasons are? Cuz I've like personally when I'm I would say like the rightful reasons are like the crusades where we literally but I wasn't like, around for that time. Okay, but I was okay, <laughs> but like getting personal like I wasn't around for the civil war, you know? Right. And yet that's a conversation that as as a half white guy, um, <laughs> half I white have guy. To, yeah, as a person with half half you know majority and not, and not half minority, um, as a person who is who is looks white, that's a conversation. I got privileges, and that's a whole I- conversation of the idea of white privilege and all these things. That conversation needs to happen so that we know how to take responsibility. We know where we've been. We are able to then have compassion for those who are hurting to see the realities that live around us. And so that whole conversation exists. Okay. And so. so, like, with that, to me, I feel like, like, yeah, but if we, like, live literally by the Bible on this, live, to me, the Bible is like a big book of love. Like, you just got to yeah. love people. So, like, I get, like, what your great auntie might have done. Like, like yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Like, bro, like, I mainly look at people for the person that they are now. Like, you show me love. Yeah. Like, when I first met you, like, you was like, look, man, I'll take you out to eat. I'm just like, he offering <laughs> to take me out to dinner already? Just like, so, like, just like your personality. Like, I can only go all based off your personality. I can't. Yeah. Like, but I look at everybody like that. Like, I'm sorry. I can't have oh, yeah. like this. But, like, hate. think, for example, when I, like, I, recently I've been having a lot of conversations with Jewish people. And, That's cool. Um, I want to meet a lot of Jewish people. I heard they got it, a lot It's of been money. very challenging <laughs> because I've been, I haven't just been talking to like regular, this is the bad way to word it, but like regular Jewish people. I've been talking to rabbis, like That's people cool. who are smart Jewish people. So right. people who, it, we're having intellectual conversations, which have been very challenging for me. And they're bringing up all these like historical inaccuracies and they're talking about their perspective on scripture and all these things. It's been very informative. But like with that, it's also helped me understand that like Christianity is, is such bad news to them because their entire history has been us like like for, we, has been us literally like killing and persecuting these people because they don't believe in Jesus as their history of being of being torn down especially like you look at like even in like the medieval times and for even in the 1500s and we have dominated the entire known world and forced people to believe what we believe and will kill people who say otherwise that's like what most of the church was for the past 2000 years right uh, the majority of that period was I mean, us being these this for lack of better words these christian supremacists for lack of better words like, I mean that's what they say like with the black community like uh like like they put it on us like it's like this white man's religion and then yeah they was like bro you was passed down this through slavery I'm just like you're brainwashed like yeah I'm like, but that's a conversation where it's like there are people like I've I got these Jewish people I've been talking to the amount of hurt that they've experienced for hundreds of years from Christians um, and they use the word proselytizing is the idea proselytizing is so i'm trying to navigate the difference between proselytizing and evangelism because proselytizing is the active process of trying to convert someone to your Mm. religion okay for them it's such an offensive thing to like just go out and just trying to convince people to believe what you believe and and but because it now granted like of course like well if i care about something i want someone to believe what i believe like i want them to share in that but you know for them the way that we've done that 
our image of Christianity is our experiences in the church. Their picture of Christianity are the whack jobs on the side of the road with bullhorns and picket signs yeah, and stuff like that. No. But that's the majority of what people see as Christians, is these people who are who hate gays, people who are going around mm-hmm. and they're and they're preaching hate. They're saying you're gonna go to hell if you if you what this or you believe that or if you don't believe in it's like literally the idea is that so many people they want to try to communicate good news, but their idea of good news is they're, they think the best way to, to communicate the love of God is with a threat. Yeah. And that's, like, such a problem. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. But to be honest, like, I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't believe something based off of a threat. Like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Like, at yeah, point, but, when, like, but when we've been, but when people Most people don't in, care about hell. Like, they was like, ha ha, I can't. Yeah, you're right. They're they like, now it's this new but thing. What's interesting is the reason, that peop- the reason people don't care about hell is because of how much we've been shoving it down people's throats. True. So it's like these things have, these things are things that we have to embrace. That like, there is a lot of hurt that's been caused by the church. Right. And we have to embrace that if we ever want people to see us as good news. We have to know how to be able, we have to know how to be able to say, yeah, we have made mistakes. Yes, we have done this. And for that, like, I'm, I want to be here to be the example of what we should be, not what hopefully your experiences are. So it's like for that when now all those conversations that are needed for that to happen, there's going to be a lot of people who just aren't going to like me. And I'm okay with that. Like, I've embraced that. I'm used to that um, because I believe that. You're so likable, though. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm glad you think so. Um, But and and that's for most people who will know me on a personal level. But when I say I'm anticipating haters, what I mean by that is I'm anticipating when I write books, there's probably going to be people who don't know me who are going to write me off as a heretic because I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I have a pretty orthodox theology, but I would imagine like the reasons is because of my methodology and what I believe is the right way for Christians to interact with the world. Um, mm-hmm. When I want to suggest to people ideas and I try to be able to take the biblical truths that we see in the Bible and to communicate that in a way that's relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And I go to a place and I communicate to people that, you know, Hey, you know what Jesus says? He says, bless those who oppress you. Like, that's a phrase right. like I was talking about someone the other day and they were already triggered and they were like, excuse me. I was like, I was like going this whole thing. I was like helping them understand. I'm like, this is really what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. It would, but we would say, bless those who persecute you. And we have this such this jaded idea and this boxed in idea of what persecution is, right. but really getting at the heart of it, of what it was. And so when you're trying to communicate these things, you're trying to communicate, it's not good for someone to go out and just be on the street corner preaching hellfire damnation. It's not good it's not. when, when people are, are one of the biggest th- things that I am very adamant about is people who build their entire platform on tearing down other Christians, people who are obsessed with finding false preachers people who oh, are, man, I can't stand it. I'm proud so those people who are obsessed with that are poison to the church and when I when I start going out and communicating these things you better believe there's gonna be articles writing about me about like you know he doesn't believe in truth and he doesn't want to stand against like people who are falsely preaching against so, the gospel and like all this stuff and so you just accept that so I have a question so yeah. like alright so I know it's like for your book will be more so for uh based towards this generation so i think the biggest problem that i always hear now is do we just sit there and agree mm. with the world worldly ideas 
other than like what what where 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 is the where is the line between like just not just agreeing not just not agreeing but like you know what I'm saying at least being able to tell them what you feel like the truth is like your idea your ideology or what the truth is versus yeah I would say the 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 line where that exists is discipleship because the idea is that like if I if I don't know you if I don't have any relationship with you I can't just come up and tell you like, why the heck would you care what I think and that's why one of the biggest things that I harp on people is that people want to know that you care before they want to know what you care about and so the idea is that like so how do I how do I stand for truth was like why well, stand for truth every day now I have I have plenty of friends who do not live as Christians, who do not have Christian lifestyles, and I, they are very dear friends to me. I will, I will go and hang out with them. I'll go to these places with them because I care about them. And for me, I don't sacrifice my convictions, but by sitting there and taking the time and calling them and building influence in their life and loving them, not because I want them to believe, but because I simply love them and the the weird the weird balance is like i'm not loving you so that you believe but i'm loving you in hope that one day you might believe like i'm lo- i'm not loving you so that you believe i'm not trying to manipulate you i'm loving you because i genuinely love you and my my hope is that you would see that you become more curious and through that process you would believe like it's it's this weird thing where it's like I hope this happens, but no, it's I not feel like the that's reason the that's, the, that's the exact way that I feel like that's the exact way that you're supposed to do it. Like I 100 percent agree. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people don't agree. Like like the idea that like you know is, is one of you're the supposed th- to convict people. Yeah, you're supposed <laughs> to. Well, it's because the idea like you have so many people who have this backwards way of thinking. Like the one of the things that makes me more mad than anything is when I am on social media and you see someone talking about something that's going on in culture and some crazy person in the comment section just thinks you know what this this country just needs to repent and come back to jesus i'm like dude you don't even get it <laughs> you don't jesus would hate you <laughs> no but bro, that's, that's about- strong that's a strong language but jesus would strongly disagree with you if that if your response to the way the world is is that the world needs to repent and come back to jesus like you're missing the picture and realizing that it's not I mean, like it's but to be honest these people remind me of like uh the pharisees like where these people were just trying to stone jesus 24 7 like yeah jesus was but like, Houdini. Even, like, <laughs> i mean but even like that so like that's even an example of um that's even an example of like one of the things that's very hurtful for jews is the way that we view pharisees mm. is not accurate to what pharisees were like like our what we have in the New Testament is a very contextualized picture of the Pharisees, meaning like those were probably the Pharisees in that day and time. But that was it's like, OK, it's very similar to today when you have these like our examples that we go off. of. We have these whack job, crazy people mm-hmm. who are who are who are not reflecting Christ not reflecting these things and there was that time period that jesus was in where the pharisees in that day and time were like that that's what but our problem is we use pharisee as as a derogatory term and that is so offensive to jewish people so i got a question are like are there still like like because i to be honest i don't know nothing about the jewish community so so that's do they still have pharisees no they don't so uh that's one of the things i've actually been learning a lot and like I've been really enjoying my conversations with some Jewish rabbis I've been having to help enlighten me so more. So why about, would that be derogatory if like they well, don't it's even beca- exist anymore? Because it goes more and more to the, the of anti-Semitism. 
So it's the idea of our concept of Pharisees, and we think that they're all like that. We just paint them with this. It's And we throw Jews into that mix. We think people who are Jewish religious leaders, we equate them to Pharisees. Wow, I um, didn't know that. Well, a lot of people, Christians do. And, hmm. and so because of that, um, like one of the things I've been learning a lot is that like the Judaism that we have in our mind is not the Judaism that exists today. For lack of better words, it's essentially an entirely new religion. Like it's a totally different, like the Judaism that existed in the first century Israel is not the Judaism that exists today. Oh, I can, around the second I can to fifth century, that. around the second to fifth century, it literally, they reconstructed Judaism. Right. They literally rebuilt it from the ground up. So right. like the Ju- Judaism that existed in Jesus day is not the Judaism. And so a lot of people, like one of the most offensive things to Jews, right? To Jews, at least the ones I've been talking to, is Christians idea of Judaism is they think that Judaism is Christianity minus Jesus. But that's not true. No, you know actually really I've heard that a million times. Yeah. That that, but that's not true in the slightest. Like they don't believe in a personal relationship with God. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in the king like their idea they believe that the current Jewish Judaism believes that like the kingdom of God is a is a completely Christian idea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like they don't even like we emphasize the Messiah way more than they do. Like the Messiah is not a big deal to them. Like, and yeah, they, no, he's, and he's so, like a regular. Like yeah. some, like some people just say think he's just like a prophet or just like a regular. Well, it's not even like that. It's like it, the Messiah is kind of a big deal, but it's like it's it's just it's so different. I'm still learning it. So it's just there's so many things I've just been learning these days, and it's just like I just want us to be good news to people. And unfortunately, what is required for us to be good news to people requires us to deconstruct a lot of the ways that we think how how Christians should live. The, doctrinally, there's not things that differentiate me from many other theologians. Um, methodology is where it application. What does that look like in the real world? That's where I get haters because mine is a lot more of a a passive approach. And it's a lot more people think I'm, you know, I don't know. I, I'm like people, a pushover. Yeah, people have accused me of being a pushover. People think that, you know, well, I'm not, I don't stand for truth enough. I'm like, I do. I just believe relationship is how you do that. And that takes a long time. I don't think it's biblical for us to be going on the side of the streets, preaching hellfire and damnation and, and trying to save people to the gospel as street preachers. I don't think that's contextually correct to the Bible. Um, no, I mean, it's, to be honest, it's not, uh, um, don't get me wrong, but just like the one where um, where he was like taking the thing out your eye of uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't point out the speck in my eye. You can't blind yeah. planking your own. Because like a lot of the times people's, their big inspirations for ministry is they look at things like the book of Acts and you see how Peter, he preached to the crowds and over 3,000 or 5,000 were saved in one day. Right. And we, we idolize what that looks like but we miss the context so um we miss the context of what's happening in those situations where a lot of the times people think they want to be like jesus and you know it was like well jesus you know he jesus whipped people out of the temples i'm like but you forget he was whipping his own people he was turning tables on his own people yeah so i'm like yeah because a lot of what my personal ministry does is we create content and resources for young adults uh, to simplify the complicated issues of life and faith. Mm-hmm. But our long-term goal, like especially like when I'm preaching at places, my long-term goal is I'm not here 
to call a sinful world to repentance. I'm here to share the good news and to offer and to offer the salvation that comes from Jesus to an unbelieving world. Right. Where repentance comes in is I'm here to preach repentance to a church that has failed to reflect their Lord and Savior. And that's where the preaching of repentance is people that we need to repent and come back to Jesus. I'm like Unbelieving people don't need to repent and come back to Jesus because they, they didn't believe in the first place. The people who need to repent are <laughs> the people who've, mis- who've misinterpreted and, who and misrepresented know. Jesus. And, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, like, you can't, like, I don't see the point of, like, that's a, a, a big thing, uh, like, why I don't just, like, go up to, like, like, during, like, even, like, doing stand-up. Like, I just don't go out and do stand-up and just, like, because I'm a Christian, I just don't go do stand-up and, like, Jesus, 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 yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Like, I but, don't like, do it's, that. like, even as a comedian, like, your whole thing is, like, you ain't there to just go up there and just be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're up there to be a good comedian and to make people laugh and to build influence and to go and build, uh, you got to go in there, do a killer job, right. build influence in people's lives so that they like your comedy, and then they see, oh, this is man of, a man of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he loves him he some Jesus. He loves him some Jesus. Well, let me learn some more. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, um, and so it's like we're here to be good news, and to be good news requires us to be excellent in what we do and right. to – offer what we are gifts as a service to other people i'm uh, ranting too much so. uh, no so like <laughs> but no that's right uh I, and i like like just me personally like i to me i try to like figure out that way of like because like when i do my stand-up and I, like i said i talk about my family i want to talk about like if you hear like most stand-up comedians they talk about like these negative stigmas on mar- marriage like where you don't like your wife and yeah all these like like why marriage is so bad and like it's so horrible, terrible, like yeah. all this type of stuff. So like, and like me doing comedy, I try to speak like of a like I don't do it like just saying like, well Jesus loves marriage and like you know what I'm saying the man who finds a wife finds yeah. a good thing like I don't do that. But I just kind of tell them like, bro, like I got a good thing at home, like you know what I'm saying. And then I do jokes in between that to show like in funny ways and then to me that's a way of like still spreading the message of what jesus is and like wait well not spreading the message of jesus is, but what love is and what it's meant to be and then um but in a positive way yeah and then that's how i get the message out so when you come and find me and see like how i'm really living then it's just like oh now yeah. i see why <laughs> yeah so yeah. that's awesome man so if you could leave our listeners with just like one thing and this is what you, what you want to leave them with. This is one thing you want to leave them with. What would you leave them with? Um, laugh more. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of things, like a lot of people, definitely just like Christian listeners, uh, just for the Christian listeners, like we're, sometimes people are so uptight. Yeah. And it's like they don't feel like this is no laughing matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, no, this is serious. It's all business. Well, it's like laughter is the way to ease tension. We use laughter to ease difficult intense moments in our life um and so like laughter as a comedian is a great way to relieve tension. that's how we sometimes that's how you process trauma mm-hmm. that's how you process hard times is through laughter that was um, me, for sure <laughs> yeah so yeah i would just say laugh more man uh the more that you laugh it does ease and it just eases stress and it just it gives you like a, it it gives you joy yeah like more so other than just like this um happiness which is temporary it gives you this sense of joy yeah and that's where i feel like we're that's awesome. a good place to be so how pe- how can people connect with you and your comedy 
All right, man. So y'all can find me on Instagram at Dion T. Washington. You can find me on TikTok at Dion T. Washington. That's right. That brand consistency. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Uh, and then um, we have an, I just started a new family TikTok with my wife, which is It's The Washingtons mm. on TikTok. And yeah. That's awesome. You have a YouTube channel yet? Yes. It's Dion Washington Comedy. Um no videos uploaded yet, but when this special gets recorded, which is in yeah. November, that's where it's gonna go. And I'll try to also on, we're gonna blog. try to also like see if you can reserve Dion T Washington as well. I I tried like I is really it, want to try. It, no, do it. I was like, like literally that was the biggest thing when I was like when I found out that the username that I wanted was available. I was like every single platform I can possibly imagine. I'm saving it, even if I don't post anything on it. Really? I'm saving it on there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, to be honest, because it gives you that consistency of where people know exactly where to find you. Yeah. Yep. So. Sweet, man. Well, dude, I'm glad we were able to finally chat and hang finally. out. And I get to watch your comedy show here yeah. in a little bit. And I'm excited, man. It's going to be good stuff. So Get ready, bro. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. We'll now. see you soon, friends. Let us Follow us on Instagram at SLJ Ministries. Follow our boy Dion on Instagram. And uh, let us know how we can pray for you.